0: Often we will be asked in some sense of the question why, why do you believe in God or why do you believe the Bible is accurate or things of that nature and sometimes that catches us off guard or at least it has caught me off guard on occasion and I have thought I don't really know uh, the best way to go about responding now I think we all understand why we believe the Bible But we need to be able to explain that to people, right? We need to be able to explain to them why we have the hope that we have. In fact, Peter said, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. When we look around the world and we see that we drive in cars, we live in houses, we see that uh, animals produce after their kind, we have trees that produce apples and they don't produce strawberries or things of that nature, and we see that we live in a logical, sensible world. Right, No one expects for us to walk outside and all of a sudden we have a big mansion in our front yard where there was nothing before. Now when we look at this idea of of, uh, uh, evolution, we look at the idea of atheism, that's their contention. That it did just happen. We look around this world and we see the beauty of nature and, and it just happened. Well, we don't understand that to be logical that's not scientifically correct is it when we look at the law of biogenesis only life can come from life we look at the first and second laws of thermodynamics proven scientific facts uh, matter can be neither created nor destroyed and everything is winding down it's not in fact getting better everything is getting worse uh... and that, those are just scientific facts when we look at our bodies individually the older we get the less uh, able we are to do things that we used to do. That's just logical sense. And so someone says, uh, why Why do you believe in the Bible? Well, let's just for a few moments notice a few things. We believe the Bible. Number one, our faith leads us to believe the Bible. When we read the Scripture, it we can prove that it is correct. Well, the atheist doesn't care what the Bible says. You have to be able to reach outside the Bible and prove that it is true, through other means. For instance, the Bible is historically correct. When we look in writings such as uh, the writings of the Roman historian Cornelius Tacitus, he lived from AD 55 to 120. He was a pagan. And he was a historian, though, that wrote about Pilate. He wrote about Pilate uh, judging Jesus, turning him over to... uh, The people and and His death happening on the cross. That's a historical fact. And uh, a pagan wrote about that in his book, uh, Annals uh, 15-44. And so we see that the Bible is historically accurate. What the Bible says is true. It doesn't lead us down a path that is not correct. The Bible spoke of Christ's birth hundreds and hundreds of years prior to His coming into the world. We see that in uh, Isaiah chapter 7. We read in Micah chapter 5 of the very place where Jesus would later on be born. Now there was no way that Micah could have known the very city where Jesus would be born, having lived hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ was even born into the world, and Micah long dead. And so the Bible is truthful or else these prophets could not have foretold these things through the inspiration of God. That is one evidence that the Bible is accurate. The Bible is scientifically correct. It's not a science book. But when it speaks of scientific things, it is correct in those things. When we read read Job 26 verse 7, and Job speaks of the earth being uh, uh, hanging upon nothing, it being a circle, it being round in shape, how was it that Job could tell that? You can't. There's not a mountain high enough to stand on or a tree tall enough in which we could climb to the very top of it where we can look out and see that the earth is round. Everything is flat. But Job talked about it being round. Have people always known the earth was round? In fact, there are still people today that believe the earth is flat. That's hard for us to imagine, isn't it? But there are people, celebrities that will talk about it from time to time. Sports figures that believe the earth is flat, that we've never been to the moon. Now we understand the earth is round. 2,300 years after Isaiah lived, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. We all remember it in 1492. And he discovered that the earth was in fact round. How was it that... Isaiah could speak of the earth being round, when all the rest of the world understood it to be flat. Unless he was guided by God, he would have not known those facts. That wasn't just a lucky guess on his part. The great uh, scientist, the great wise man Solomon, who uh, we look in his uh, his uh, the book that he wrote, Ecclesiastes, and he talks about this great science project that he had performed and. And he talks about different things. He talks about the water cycle. How all the rivers flow into the ocean and then the, the water will, will evaporate and the clouds go back over to dry land and they empty themselves. Long before we ever discovered the water cycle. How was it that Solomon was able to know that? Because the Bible is scientifically correct. The Bible is true when we look in 2 Peter 3, or 2 Timothy uh, 3. We look in uh, 2 Peter 1, the Bible declares that it is the Word of God. We talked the other night in class how that when we look at a book and we try to determine if it belongs in the canon, there must be internal evidences. The writer must claim that he is a writer from God. Well, the New Testament does that. All the books of the Bible do that. But not just that, we can prove through their statements, that they are correct in the things that they say. They don't say things that go, that go against the natural occurrence of events. Evolution goes against the natural occurrence of events. Life does not come from dead matter. There has to be a first cause. And we see that in the Bible. The Bible provides for us everything that we need in this life, both, both spiritually and it provides for us the things that will get us to heaven. Peter talked about that. That's why we believe in the Bible. Those are just a few things. We could sit and probably discuss for hours the scientific truths that we find in the Old Testament that Moses wrote about. Though he came out of Egypt, uh, the most learned nation at that time, and we all know their uh, their health procedures were not the best. Though they were the most advanced nation in the world, if, if their cure didn't uh, help you, it certainly would kill you. And uh, they used things that we would never use. Moses didn't do that while he was wandering in the wilderness with the people of God. Uh, Moses was give, given the recipe for what we know as, uh, uh, what was the soap that they used to make out of ash? Uh, lye soap. He was given the recipe for what we know as lye soap. And so they could be cleansed uh, when they handled dead animals and things of that nature. That wasn't, that wasn't at the top of the list in the Egyptian nation. They would use animal dung and everything else for cures. Not Moses, not God's people. Because they were scientifically accurate in the things that they did. So those are just a few reasons why we believe the Bible. Therefore, understanding the Bible is what it says it is. We prove from outside sources. Then we begin to look and understand that it talks about the spirit of man. That's what it speaks to. It speaks to our inner person. How do we... Uh, become obedient to God? How can we live eternally in the presence of God? Well, we do that through obeying the, the pattern placed before us. There is a pattern, just like there is in every other aspect of life. You see patterns in nature, and you see patterns in the spiritual world. Everything has a pattern, and God is the pattern maker. He says to believe on Christ, His Son, who He sent. We already talked about that John eight twenty four. Repent of past sins, Acts two thirty eight. Confess that Jesus is the very Son of God, Acts chapter eight, verses thirty seven and following. And then being immersed in water so our sins can be removed, so we can be added to the Lord's church, Acts two forty seven, baptized into Christ. Galatians three twenty six and twenty seven, living faithfully from that point forward, being a new creature. Becoming a new person, Romans 6, 3 and 4. That's why we believe the Bible. And that's what the Bible says for us to do. If we haven't done that, do that. Don't leave here not in a covenant relationship with God. But the Bible also gives us a pattern for when we stumble in this life. Sometimes we make mistakes and we need to come back to God because we've stepped out of the light. And that's exactly what John talks about in 1 John 1 beginning with verse 7. He talks about walking in the light and the blood of Christ continually cleansing us. But when we make mistakes, he says we need to confess those faults. We need to acknowledge that and His blood will continue to cleanse us. And that's what we want. That's the options that we have. Those are the patterns. That's why we believe the Bible and that's why the Bible is our roadmap to get to heaven. If you need to answer this Lord's invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.
1: If you have have your bibles with you this evening, please open them up to Jonah chapter 3. I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. As we start our second Sunday prayer service, we will be working on the theme of God is willing to repent and our prayer will be mindful of his willingness to repent or willingness to forgive those that do repent. Reading from Jonah Chapter three, starting at verse one in the King James Version, and the word of the Lord came unto Jesus, uh, came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh the great city, and preach unto unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and set in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one of them his evil way, and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent, and turn away from his fierce anger, that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not.
2: We'll start in that same spot and go from Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are the gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out from the city, and sat on the on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter, and sat under the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it become over over Jonah, and made it come up over Jonah, that it might shade him for for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on, down on Jonah's head, so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he, and he said, It is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock?
0: I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 from the King James Version. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for in his great love wherewith he loved us.